Welcome to Wild Hearts with Janine. I'm Janine, the host of this podcast, and I am so glad that you have chosen to tune in today. We have such an important topic that we're talking about, and I'm sitting down with my new friend, Kim Erickson. We're going to be talking about grief and how to walk through it well and how to support our friends and family who are also at any point in their lives walking through grief. And I know that I think we all know that at some point, all of us are going to walk through kind of difficult parts of life through loss through heartache. And we're going to see other people in our lives do that as well. And Kim has a story that I'm really glad and grateful she's willing to share with us today. And she's going to share from her experience, the best ways that we can also walk through grief. I'll stop gushing about her, but I'm really excited for you guys to get to meet her. So Kim, say hi. Hi there. Hello. It is exciting to be here. And I'm, you know, been preparing and thinking about sharing thoughts on this grieving process and how to love on others who are grieving. And so I'm really excited and thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Would you take a couple of minutes to just introduce yourself, share a little bit about yourself, maybe where you live, a fun fact, anything you want? Oh, wow. That's wide open. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I live in Jacksonville, Florida, which I love. I love everything about Jacksonville. So that is where I live. And I'm here with my (laughs) husband and my son, Ethan, who's 13. We like to watch movies. We watch, well, especially now we're watching a lot of movies, Um, Mm -hmm. but we do like to watch movies. And fun fact, I coached Olympic athletes before I went to law school. What? Wait, tell me more. That sounds amazing. (laughs) It was actually. I did gymnastics kind of my whole life growing up. And then that's also how I paid my way through college as I coached at a gymnastics training facility. And I had the opportunity to move to a different gym. And at that gym, they were training what became two Olympic gymnasts in the 1996 U.S. Olympic champion team. And so I got to coach those kids, two of them, for a few months before I decided to go to law school. I wish you could see my face right now because my jaw is just like wide open. (laughs) That's amazing. I like little known fact, I never talk about this, but man, I wish I did gymnastics when I was really little and I wish I would have stuck with it. It's always my favorite thing to watch on the Olympics. It's just amazing what people can do with their bodies. And I very much cannot do those things. So that's incredible. It is incredible. I can't do it either. I loved the sport, but I'm like five, seven and not flexible. So (laughs) (laughs) I was rather a mess, but they were incredible. And you know, Simone Biles is back and she's going to be going to the Olympics. I, oh my word. I can't even just, I can't imagine the things she's doing. Like she is blowing it out of the water and she, it's going to be super great. No. <laughs> and she's like the cutest little thing right? I've ever seen. Yeah. She's like, oh my you word. Know, she looks so strong. But if you walked up beside her, you'd be like, she's the tiniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, Probably my favorite fun fact I've heard from a guest so far. That's so cool. (laughs) Um, Well, normally I would say, how do we know each other? But we're new friends, right? (laughs) Today we we tackle technology and (laughs) yes, yes, yeah, we met through the internet, basically, which I'm not going to lie, has kind of become a norm in my life nowadays. I know, especially. I'm really grateful to have met you. I already feel like a connection with you. So this is going to be really fun. Well, oftentimes on this podcast, we talk about travel because I know you listen to a little bit of my story, but I spent a few years traveling before I landed back in Nashville a few months ago. So one of my favorite questions to ask is mostly because I just want to build up my own bucket list of places to visit. 
is where is your favorite place you've ever been or a place you're hoping to go in the future? My favorite place I've been so far, because we're island beach people, is St. Croix. I want to go back there in a bad way. And um, (laughs) my favorite place I hope to get to on my bucket list is Ireland. Have you been? Oh, Kim. Ireland is, I, yeah, I went twice in two oh, years. It's my favorite so country in Europe that I went to. If and when you start planning, just connect with me because I would love to Ooh. give you all of my recommendations. Okay, that's it. We're just going to be friends. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> it's official now. <laughs> yeah, Ireland is spectacular. It's gorgeous, obviously. You've probably seen plenty of photos yeah. that prove that. But the people are so wonderful and so kind and welcoming. And I just found that to be apart from the scenery and all that, just like such a reason to want to go back. Every time I think about going on another trip, I'm like, can I fit in Ireland (laughs) at the like front or the back end? (laughs) Can I make it work? (laughs) I just had my first opportunity to go to Europe or really to go anywhere, but like the islands kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just last year, two years ago, we did one of those river cruises from Switzerland down through Germany, France, and landed uh, in the Netherlands. And it was phenomenal. So my first trip to Europe was kind of spoiled because it was oh my gosh (laughs) and what time of year was it uh let's see it was July so oh yeah so it was nice beautiful weather like we didn't have just beautiful weather so it was and the Viking cruises if you've ever thought about saving money for a Viking cruise like they're not paying me for this advertisement but (laughs) (laughs) they are worth every penny they use local tour guides so they're not like Viking employees who do every day of the week (laughs) hire locals. And so you're like going on this tour through some little French town and she's like, Hey, how you doing, Scott? You know, Hey, let's go into Scott's store. He has the oldest cheese shop in this village. And I'm like, what? So it's really cool to see it from the locals perspective. It was really neat. I have heard some really good things about Viking tours. So that's really awesome. Adding that to my list. (laughs) At least once. You gotta do it. There we go. I'm also adding St. Croix though. I have not gone to any of the islands. Oh, I went to Puerto Rico once, but not yeah. Yeah, it's different. I wanna go oh, so okay, adding that one to my see this is why I asked this question. And when you go to St. Croix, you have to snorkel at Buck Island. Snorkel at Buck Island. B U C K Island. It's a national park. It's our only underwater national park. So it's been preserved, like no one's stepping on the coral and Oh my gosh. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And I'm not really a snorkel fan. Like I don't love it. Yeah. But I mm-hmm. I want to go back there and do it again because it was like crazy. It's like looking at stars through the Hubble telescope, but you're like in the water and it's right there. <laughs> it's crazy. The colors, it was just amazing. What a testimonial. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> I want to travel. I want to do your couple of years. So. Okay, we'll have to talk offline. Uh, like we're going to have to talk about we will. We will. I am always really honest with people. I say it was amazing and it was also very hard. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so we can definitely talk okay. about that. Well, let's hop into our topic. And that is a guide through grief. I recently learned a bit of your story and how you lost your son, Austin. Can you share a little bit more of that experience with us? Sure. In fact, he would have turned 15 on Wednesday. So just two years, two days ago, we celebrated what would have been his 15th birthday, but he passed away from strep throat when he was three. Yeah. And so it's such a common, so I really like to talk to moms and young moms and moms of toddlers or even grandmas of toddlers to say like, (laughs) listen, this, the strep throat is nothing to mess with and to trust your gut. Like it was really tough, but it was totally normal. Like he ran a fever. 
He went to the doctor without antibiotics. He didn't seem like he was getting better. So I took him to urgent care. They said, no, you got to wait. It's just strep throat. You know, don't panic. Take him back to the pediatrician if he's not better. Well, he wasn't better. So the next day we were back at the pediatrician and the pediatrician says the same thing like, oh, don't panic. It's just strep throat. Give the medicine time to work. The next morning he did not wake up out of his bed. And it was, yeah. So I, I say that I got, I was at work. So I'm a lawyer and I was at my law office, downtown Phoenix. We lived at the time. So I'm downtown Phoenix working crazy hard hours as a lawyer in an international law firm. You know, I had to go to work and we had a nanny who helped us during the day and my husband was working too, but his job was more flexible. And so he was really handling Austin being sick and having to go get the antibiotics and get back to pediatrician. And so I went to work on that day. And then I got that, you know, a phone call that nobody ever wants to get, but the babysitter's like screaming, there's an ambulance. All she could say was like ambulance in Austin, Austin and ambulance. Yeah. And he, they could not revive him. It was about as tough as you can imagine and maybe a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah. I, oh gosh, I can't, I mean, I'm single as a Pringle, so I can't imagine losing, sorry. (laughs) I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't even try to put myself into your shoes. How did you navigate those early days of all of Mm -hmm. that? Well, that's a spectacular story, actually. So babysitters screaming about the ambulance, right? My office was about a 40-minute, between a 35 and 40-minute drive to our home. So our house was out in the suburbs and my office was downtown Phoenix. I'm like running through the office. One of the gals, luckily from our office, was like, well, you're not driving. Like, I'll drive you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're running through the hallways and we get in my car. You know, at that time, I just according to the world like theory of things, like I really had everything I could ever want. I had this great job, financial stability. I love my house. I was married to the man of my dreams. We had these two healthy, beautiful boys, swimming pool in the back, driving a convertible. I mean, like seriously, I had (laughs) just about everything you think a girl could want, but I didn't have any relationship with God. Like I had grown up to church, but as soon as I got old enough to say, yeah, I'm not doing that. I didn't. And life just kind of went along. So when I got that call, I didn't even think to pray. It didn't even occur to me to pray. And that's like how far away from God I was at the time. And so we get in the car to go to the ambulance that's at my house with my sick three-year-old. And it doesn't occur to me to pray, but what I do want to be there, right? Like I got a 40-minute drive almost. I want to be there. And so in my head, I start going, Austin, can you hear me? Like not out loud because I didn't want to look crazy to the lady, my sweet uh, assistant who was driving us. And so inside my head, though, I'm doing like that mom scream. You can't imagine when you get that kind of call. I'm like, Austin, can you hear me? I'm coming. Austin, you fight. You know what I'm saying? You fight. You stay here with mom. Can you hear me? I am coming. We're almost there. And I'm just like having this constant like kind of screaming going on in my head, trying to be there faster, right? I'm like, I'm coming. I'm coming. And I kept saying, you fight, you stay here with mommy, you know, like I do at the park, right? Like you hear me, (laughs) you stay here, you stay here with mommy. And I really can't explain, but it was like a wave of the ocean hit me. And all of a sudden, like that screaming inside my head stopped and I felt fabulous. I felt amazing. Like there's not a word for how I felt. 
other than like euphoric, like crazy good. Like I felt wonderful. And all of a sudden, deep in somewhere in my heart, I believe that I heard Austin say, but mom, it's so pretty here. He said it just like he would. He said, but mom, it's so pretty here. And the way I felt, I was just like, okay. That's all I could say. I was just like, okay. And then it was gone. And I was back in that car driving, you know, Mary Ann was driving me and I was back there. But in that moment, I knew heaven was real. All of a sudden I was like, oh my heavens, I have gotten something very wrong here. Um, That is real. That was heaven. That's where my son is. And it really felt like Nashville. Like I could hop a plane and come and see you. That's how real it felt. It didn't feel weird or supernatural or like angels and floaty clouds. It was like <laughs> a city that I could go, like Nashville. That moment, you know, of course, losing our son changed my life. But that particular moment changed the direction of my life. Like all of a sudden, I knew that God was there and heaven was real. And that's where my son was. And when you have that kind of experience, it changes everything. So navigating those early days of grief are tempered or are like softened by this incredible experience that I believe God allowed me to have. You know, it didn't happen, hasn't happened again. I can't talk to dead people. Like, I promise this is, it's not something weird. <laughs> it's something that happened to me. I don't know what it was. I am now a student of the Bible. Like I love my Bible. I read it all the time. And I understand that it's not something you see in scripture that people talk to their dead loved ones. It's not biblical. I get all that. I know it. But this is what happened to me. And so it began like grieving with that perspective, like heaven is real and he is there. It softens everything for me in those early days of grief. But that didn't make the funeral, picking on a casket figuring out how to bury your child. Like it didn't make any of that any easier. And so how to navigate those steps are some of the things I definitely included in the book. Mm -hmm. And so there's definitely some ideas and thoughts about how to do all of that. And you just got to take it one step at a time. It's probably the biggest advice, just one hour at a time is how you handle those Mm -hmm. early days of grief, for sure. Just one hour at a time. And if you're in the early days of grief, you have gotten up and brushed your teeth girl, you are doing good. Like (laughs) that's enough. Yeah. I can imagine like we put a pressure on ourselves sometimes to, it has to look one way, right? Like grief has to look one way, the way we grieve, the way we mourn should look one way. And if we're not at that point, then there's this like strange internal self-imposed pressure that we're not doing it right or something. It's just, that's not what it is. Grief is personal and it looks different for everyone and the way we mourn and sometimes it comes in waves. And and I like that you said it's one day at a time, one hour at a time and celebrating every little win in that process is important. Definitely. And I, a lot of times, especially if you have a faith, people will Mm -hmm. try to cushion your grief with faith, right? Like you have hope though in heaven, right? And yeah, I do. But and I'm grateful for that, but it, it doesn't mean I don't grieve. It doesn't mean I can't like right. toss myself on the floor and wail and kick and scream because this is really terrible. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I would always point people to the stories in your Bible, like Jesus wept, like Jesus cried hard when he wept, when people were mourning, when he sees our grief, he cried, mm-hmm. like he saw grieving. And there's a particular story in the Gospel of John. He saw people grieving and it says he cried. 
And you know what? He was going to raise that guy from the dead in like four minutes. And so, (laughs) and he still cried. You know why? Because he was moved by the grief. If you read your Bible, you'll see that God grieves and Jesus is here. He grieved and he felt compassion for those who grieve. Not one time will you read of God saying, well, you shouldn't cry. You know, you're going to see him. You don't need Mm -hmm. to be wailing. You're going to see your son again. Never, ever is there any sort of rebuke or, hey, you're grieving the wrong way (laughs) Mm -hmm. in your Bible. There is no such thing. And so I think you're right about that. We do think it's supposed to look a certain way and move through these certain steps. And that's just, that's not really how it works anyways. The grief that I don't know if people have heard of those seven stages of grief or whatever. Yeah. yeah, They're like, those can happen all in one day in my life. (laughs) The next day we do them all over again, you know? It didn't really happen in stages for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's, it's true. You can experience all of the emotions and all of the feelings in one sitting. It can, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, and why do you think it's necessary that we do talk about our grief rather than shying away from it? And then what are some of the fears that surround, you know, that we feel, I guess, and surround us when we consider opening up about our grief? Yeah, I think this has a lot to do with your family. Because, you know, if you saw your parents or your family grieving in like a really robust or loud way, then then that's how you think you're supposed to grieve, right? Well, I happen to be from like a German stoic family, right? And so you're supposed to grieve with very much dignity (laughs) Um, and very quietly. Thank you very much. Hold it together, you know? And so I think, one, it's necessary to talk about our grief because... I think we tend to think that we're supposed to do it like our family members did it. Unless we start talking about it and you realize, oh, like when you were going through that, you didn't just pick yourself up and go back to work. They'd be like, heavens no, girl, like I did this. (laughs) And so when we talk about it, a couple of things happen. We realize that there's nothing wrong about the way we're grieving, right? There is no right way to grieve. We learn that when we talk about it. And we feel less alone because whenever you're grieving, you feel alone. And yeah. talking about it definitely kind of eases that back a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And then you asked what fears surround opening up. I think for me, for and this is different because I think grieving a loss of a child is is a little different than some other losses. I've lost siblings. I've lost two brothers, actually. And that loss is different and it has different, I don't know, it's just very different from losing a child. and. So losing a child was like, if, if I start talking about my grief, it will be like the Hoover Dam collapsing and it, this, this will just take me over, you know, like, I don't want to talk about it because if I do like one little drop and it might just all wash out onto, onto you and that would not be cool. <laughs> and so I think that's the fear of a lot of people is they don't want it to like overtake them and just get out of control. It feels almost like if I talk about it, I might lose control. That's never cool. At least that's my, in my, in my head, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel too, like, I don't know. I wonder, I'm trying to consider like when I've had, you know, like grandparents pass away and things like that, not wanting to open up. I wonder how much of it was, well, nobody would be able to relate or nobody would understand. And that maybe kept me quiet in the past and feeling like I couldn't share it and open up. But I mean, the truth is, in some form or fashion, all of us have experienced loss. 
and heartbreak and and disappointment and devastation and and grief is it's universal, right? We all feel it for different reasons. And so if we instead for in my example, if I if I would have in that moment chosen to open up, who knows what kind of healing could have happened for me in that moment, but also for the people with yep. me. Ooh, I'm feeling convicted Ooh. on that one. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's good. Yeah, like holding yourself, uh, you know, not allowing somebody near you to see that, you know, mm-hmm. almost maybe doesn't allow them to grow or learn from you as well. And yeah, yeah, yeah it's almost like the selfish thing to do. Yeah, except you hear, I've heard the opposite, like crying is selfish. Oh. Because mm. you're really just worried about mm. yourself because the other person, you know, is fine. They're not suffering anymore. They're not, you know, whatever you believe, like they may be in heaven or in some better place, right? And you're down mm-hmm. whining about it. I definitely, I definitely have heard that before. I don't, I would mm-hmm. not say that to anybody, but I have. No. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a beautiful balance in yeah. there somewhere so. where we need to feel what we're feeling and be honest with our friends and our family yeah. about those things. And then also provide that space for them to feel like safe, to be honest. Yeah as well. That's the key, I think. And I think you hit it on the head too. when you said like you kept quiet because you didn't really think anybody could relate. Mm-hmm. That, is the, that is the unifying thing about grief, whether you're grieving the mm-hmm. loss of a job or you're grieving a loss of a marriage or you're grieving the loss of a pet, a grandparent, a child, a sibling. You always feel like no one can really relate to this situation like this. Mm-hmm. And we all feel that way. Like everybody feels that way. And so that's the, one of the reasons when we're going to maybe get to it here in a little bit is what do I do? What do I say? Right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there is no like right thing to say because nobody can relate. Like I cannot relate mm-hmm. to you losing your grandparents. You know, even though I've lost my grandparents, we still can't really relate because we didn't, I didn't know mm-hmm. them, you know? It's mm-hmm. just a unique, mm-hmm. it's a unique thing. It's very isolating. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I know we kind of touched on this a little bit not too long ago, but I'd love to hear just straight from you. Why is it essential that we don't put a time limit on the grieving process? Mm-hmm. And you always hear this year, like the year is a magic number <laughs> and it's so not. <laughs> I would encourage everybody to like, stop saying that. It's not true. Mm. I just, every situation is different. Every loss is different. And, you know, it, it's just going to depend on, on you. And I think, I think grief never really stops. You know, it, it changes, you get better at managing it. It softens, but you know, there are definitely different levels of like the deepness of the grieving, but I'm not sure it ever goes away. So I wonder if we could stop like pretending like, oh, in a year, you're going to feel better. You know, oh, the first year, you know, after that, you're going to be, you're going to be better. Yeah. Cause it kind of gives like a false finish line of sorts. Cause if you, then if you hit that year and you're still, you know, in a space where you grief hits you, you know, the ebbs and flows that come along with it, there's, you shouldn't ever feel like you're failing because it's not a pass fail kind of situation. That's right. right. (laughs) I, uh, I, I did a whole chapter kind of on this about losing a child because it really happens at about the six month mark. Mm-hmm. I call it like the six month slide. Like you think you're supposed to, everything's back to normal, right? You're back working. Everybody else has gone home. You know, pretty much everyone else has gone on with life and, and 
feels regular to them. And you're supposed to be doing the same thing. But somewhere around the six month mark, you start grieving harder. And, and you do exactly what you said, you start feeling like, what is happening? Like, I'm supposed to be getting better. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be getting better, not worse. And in reality, I was much worse around the six month mark than I was at the first week mark. You know, it just was more real. Like the missing and the aching and the longing was just so much worse. Plus everybody was back to normal and my life was anything but normal. Mm. And so I think that's another, you touched on a really good reason for not kind of setting that timeline is it, it does make you feel like, why am I getting worse? And you feel a little bit like, what's happening to me? Like, am I, am I really going to lose my mind? Like, am I slipping into something that I shouldn't be slipping into, you know, like depression mm-hmm. or a, something, you know, am I losing my mind? Uh, you know, and it, that's not true. You're just, you're just entering a, a heavier season of grieving. And, and so I love that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, well, it was just something I was thinking through in some of my own seasons of grief that I've experienced. And, you know, at one minute, one minute, I might feel like I am so good. Like I am out of it. I'm out of the fog or whatever. And then, you know, a week later, it just hits you again. And then you can't let you can't see something like that as a setback because it's not what it is. It's just part of the ebb and flow of of processing through your grief and your loss. Man, that is exactly right. That is really well put. Thank you. You should write that down. (laughs) (laughs) That was exactly right. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Well, thank you. (laughs) Well, I know some of us and some of the listeners probably have friends or family members who are kind of, you know, in their own season of sorrow and walking through grief. So can you share what you most longed for from others in your grief, because I think that that's going to be, I just, it's going to be helpful to me. And I'm certain to so many others just to know, like, how can we support and love other people in our lives when they are in a tough spot? Got it. I would say three words. Are you ready? Three words. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Be the same. Be the same. Because everything has changed for them. You know, they feel like they can't get their feet underneath them. They feel like their life has been, you know, swept out from under them. And in some respects. And, and people are so weird about grieving. <laughs> you know, we don't like it. It's very uncomfortable. And so yeah. not only is your life kind of turned upside down, everyone around you is acting so weird. And so if you just be the same, like if you're the friend who, you know, pops in on them, then, then do that. If you're the friend who sends like four text messages a day about stupid stuff, then send the four text messages, you know, about stupid stuff. Like do the same stuff that you always did. And just being there is enough. Like really, there there aren't certain things to say or there's definitely some things not to say. But <laughs> if you focus <laughs> on being the same, just be who you are in that relationship. Just be the same. That was so comforting to people. And so yeah. if, you know, if this is a person that you maybe have lunch with, you know, twice a year, well, then you don't need to be showing up at her house every day. You know, you're not that person for her, you know, but whoever is that person for her, that person needs to show up, you know? So I would say that's my best advice. That's what I longed for, for my friends and family, for it to just be the same. Can this part just be normal, please? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, I mean, you said that and I was like, oh, wow, that actually makes so much sense because when it feels like so many other things are being upheaved 
and there's so much change and, and, you know, you're trying to, I guess, situate and adjust into a new normal. How wonderful would it be if the people in your life just kept showing up like they always have mm-hmm. versus, you know, feeling like they might not be able to, to, I don't know, support you in the way that you need. And so they back off or become overbearing, right? It's kind of those two opposites. So if they just stayed consistent, if we stayed consistent in the lives of people who are uh, of our loved ones who are going through something hard, that can make all of the kind of tumultuous in their life a little bit easier. Yeah. You know, you have different friends in your life and in your family, like we all have roles that we automatically play in our families and in our friendship groups. Like someone is the deep thinker, you know, (laughs) compassionate one, someone is the snarky one, you know, like we all have those things we do. And, and I really just wanted my friends and family to, to act the way they normally act. So if you're the snarky one, then it's okay. Like be, be that person, be sarcastic. You know, it's okay to do that. Like when you don't act sarcastic, I don't really know what to do with you. Like that's what we do. So that's like, that's really good advice. I'd never even considered that. But then, yeah, when I stepped back and, you know, thought of when I was going through a hard time, that is what what was so important to me was just some consistency and some semblance of normality. Yeah. Um, between what talking to you in the same voice, like, how are you doing? You know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you hit a point where you're like, I don't I don't want to see anyone if this is what it's gonna be like. <laughs> like, please don't tilt your head. Like that was my like, please don't tilt your head inside and see speaking like your kindergarten teacher voice. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> Wow, that is great <laughs> advice. Um, well, if any of us or li- uh, anyone listening is walking through something difficult right now, what are your key pieces of advice to making it through? I know in the book, you talk about the survival steps and the spiritual steps. So I'd love for you to talk a little more about that. Yeah, I thought that, you know, when we lost Austin, I there are lots of books on grief. You know, there's lots of Oh, we have in America so many self-help books, right? Like you can you can find a book or a YouTube video on, on anything. <laughs> but what I felt like was kind of missing when I went through this was like practical advice for living, right? We all know that grieving is personal and different and the stages of grief and whatever. But I really needed somebody to tell me like, how do I get through the grocery store without having a meltdown? <laughs> like, what do I say? When people ask me how many kids do I have, like they're just making small talk, and then if I say two, you know, what do I say? Like, I needed really practical advice, and as you might imagine, like no one will tell you what to do, you know, and so no one is willing to give you advice about like that kind of stuff, and so that's where the survival steps came from, like just my own trial and error, talking to other moms who've lost kids, like what did they try and what worked for them on these just different issues and topics. Like when do you, gosh, what do you, what do you do with their stuff? When do you, when do you pack up their room? Like, how does that work? So that's kind of where those survival steps come from. And so for, for someone out there doing, going through a difficult time, I would say to like, look for your people, you know, like look for the people mm-hmm. who are going through something similar as you and, and get some, you know, ask for advice from them because if they've gone through it, they're more likely to give you advice about how to handle it. So look for look for those people. Some you'll find them with with Facebook and Instagram and you know all of these other things. You'll find people who are going through what you're going through. So 
I would say, try to find people and then spiritual steps were the other part. That was such a big part of my grief journey because all of a sudden I, I finally I like acknowledged and realized that God is real and heaven is there. And the spiritual steps, I just think you got to you gotta explore this for yourself. Anytime you're going through something difficult, you wonder like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> like, why is this happening to me? And, you know, it, it, there's some ideas in the book about how to, you know, spend time by yourself. Like, I think seeking inward is the, way, the place to start. You know, you're going to get a lot of people telling you what they think. But I think yeah. if you start to explore, what do you really think? And take the time to to just sit with yourself and try to figure out what what do you really believe? and what are you tripping over, right? Like what's holding you back from really believing in God and really exploring your faith and, and just start to take little steps because that's, those are the answers we all want. Like, why is this hard thing happening to me? Why are hard things happening in the world, especially right now with this pandemic? People are going, where, you know, where is this God you speak of, you know? <laughs> and I just think that's, that's an inward, I would just ex- encourage people to explore inward and I think you'll find the answers because I think God talks to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially, I feel like, I mean, in the hardest moments, like the most pivotal life-changing moments, if we, if we get quiet and allow ourselves, oh, I'm going to cry. And if we do allow ourselves to go inward and, and not avoid, because I mean, it's scary to go mm-hmm. inward, right? It's, Because only you, I mean, in our minds, we're the only ones who know all our junk, Mm -hmm. right? But God knows it. (laughs) And so having to kind of face it head on, even, you know, whether or not that means it's when we're in a space of grief, it's hard to do. I mean, most of us, I think, really don't want to. (laughs) But when we are willing to and we're obedient to doing that, God can open up so much in our lives and He can speak to us in ways that, you know, we might not have been attuned to otherwise. And that's just, I mean, Going inward is maybe the best advice I've heard because mm-hmm. it's it's not easy, but it's always worth it when we yeah, do. It is. It's hard. I mean, people even have a hard time like sitting quietly, right? <laughs> like even just for thirty <laughs> seconds, it's really tough. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're struggling, if you're going through a difficult time and you're struggling spiritually, that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, wow, it's good. Mm-hmm. Well, and and on, I mean, kind of in a similar vein. How can we, in your opinion, how can we cling to the hope and promises of a good God when things are hard and when they don't make sense? Yeah, this is that's the question, right? The question of all the ages, <laughs> right? Why does good, why you know, why does bad happen yeah. to good people or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And of course, I really thought of a lot about this. People ask me about this a lot, and I've come to this place where I usually ask this question. So, for me. Kim Erickson cannot even bake a cake from scratch. Like I can't, I'm terrible at it. Like I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like I think there's flour and maybe sugar. I don't know what else. So I can't even bake a cake, right? Okay. So now you tell me one thing, like you can't do, like, I just, you can't do it. What would that be? Me? Oh, what can I not do? Wait, this shouldn't be this hard to answer. (laughs) I cannot drive a stick shift. I cannot drive a manual car. There you go. Right. And so. If you cannot drive a stick shift and I cannot figure out how to bake a cake, mm-hmm. then we surely have no business trying to say the way the universe should run, right? Like 
how did the hummingbird who sipped on my little petunias out here and how did that hummingbird get here? Like if we can't even drive a stick or bake a cake, then who are Mm -hmm. we to say that the universe should go this way and that only good things should happen? You know, right? Like we can't wrap our head around what happens on this earth. And I can't, I have read my Bible backwards and forwards and inside out. And let me tell you, bad stuff happens. And Mm -hmm. I can't wrap my head around why. So I don't really have an answer to why does this stuff happen to us? You know, why is this life sometimes so hard? I don't know, but I believe there's a creator, you know, and you know, what's funny is a lot of people believe in God, you know, even if they don't go to church Mm -hmm. or they don't say they're a Christian or a, a Jewish person, even if they don't say that, they will say they believe in God. And that's because nature is so amazing, right? Like this didn't just fall together. And so that's what always gets me in a right frame of mind. Like I have to go outside. So when I feel like, why is it so hard? Why is it so yucky? I go sit outside and I just see stuff and I go, wow, like that flower is so cool. And I, you know, I can't even bake a cake. Like what God's in control. Like there is a creator, like somebody amazing, like who could do all this? He must be beyond. He's God is really beyond our mind. We can't wrap our mind Mm -hmm. around God. And so I know that seems maybe like a, I don't know, like I'm fluffing off the answer, but I'm like, we're too small. We're too small. We can't wrap our minds around that. We don't like it either because we have this ego, right? Like we are made in God's image. And so we're like, we should be able to figure this out and we can run the universe. Mm -hmm. We can't. We're so small in comparison to God. And, but here's what I do know. Okay. So I can't figure that out. Like if I can't bake a cake, I got no place running the universe. And so I got to leave it to him and trust that he's doing it, you know, in a good way. Right. So there's where the breakdown comes. How do you trust that God is good? And for me, that comes and it, it could come in a lot of ways for different people. But for me, it came from reading my Bible for myself. Because I saw that every time God said something, he did it. Like, even if it was bad, like, you know, like, (laughs) hey, you messed up. This is going to be ugly. And then it was ugly, right? Or, hey, this is going to be good. And then it was good. Like, everything he said he was going to do, he did. And imagine that in your life. Like, you would really trust somebody like that. Do you know anybody Mm -hmm. in your human life who absolutely without any failure whatsoever does exactly what they say they're going to do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we never get it right. We, we can't do it. Right? right. And so that's where I land on this. How do we, with so much bad in the world, how do we trust that God is good? And, and that, that's where I land because he always does what he says he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, we live under the new covenant thankfully with Jesus Mm -hmm. and all he's done and, and promises, the promises are for our good and for his glory. So trusting that those two things will come about no matter what we walk through in our lives here on earth, we have a reason to maintain hope. And thank goodness, right? Like, I know. 
Also, I'm just really glad that I'm not in charge because it would be bad. Yeah, it would be bad. <laughs> be like, I can't even, I was supposed to exercise yesterday, did I? No. Nope. <laughs> nope. Did I have all day? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I even said I was going to. I even had workout clothes on. Did I do it? No. no. <laughs> oh, man. But thankfully, we have grace. We have grace. Amen. Thank oh, my gosh. Load of it. Yes. Well, I know you have a lot more resources on grief and sorrow for anyone listening who might need it, including your book, which I'd love for you to just share a little bit more about where people can find that. So how can people can connect with sure. you? Sure. I have a website that is kimaerickson.com. And there's a, if you put links, L-I-N-K-S, links after that, kimaerickson.com backslash links. Then uh, you'll go right to the grief and grieving resources. There's a Spotify playlist. There's links to purchase the books. I am currently running a Facebook group for grieving moms. And gosh, what else is up there? Oh, there's like a free download of a chapter in the book. And then you can see what it looks like with the chapters and then the survival steps and the spiritual steps. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook. And what else? I think that's about it. (laughs) Well, good. We'll make sure to add all the links in the show notes so you guys can check that out and get connected with Kim. Kim, thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty and your willingness to open up such a deep part of your life with us. I'm like crying again. (laughs) Um, Because I know that takes a lot of strength and I, I gather so much that, you know, you are seeing the good and choosing to let God be glorified through this part of your story. And, and what a legacy for your son, Austin, to have to know that like, his mom was strong and resilient and kind and knew that others need to know what you have learned. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. Well, we have three more questions before we sign off, (laughs) which I'm really excited to ask. So knowing what you know now at, I don't know how old you are, and you do not have to say. I will say I I had my 50th birthday. (gasps) Well, happy birthday. It was like in March 29th. Uh, You can still celebrate. That's still within the month. (laughs) The whole week. I was like, nope, today is this day. I'm going to like not get out of my pajamas celebrate day. Like, (laughs) Okay. So knowing what you know now at 50, what would you tell yourself at age 20? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my, I was going to say something funny that came right to my head. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I would say, stop drinking beer. (laughs) (laughs) I drank a lot of beer at age 20. (laughs) Um, I didn't come to know the Lord until I was 38. (laughs) that's amazing alcohol consumption at that age so that's the first thing i would say would be like stop all the madness (laughs) the second thing the real like the real help to that i would say is to do that inward thing we talked about like find your your spirituality right like the thing my parents did with me didn't work for me like i didn't you can't borrow it you know what i mean like you can't borrow your faith and so you have to find your own faith You have to find it for yourself. And so I I would tell my 20-year-old self, like, seriously, pick up that Bible. Pick it up and just Mm -hmm. read it for yourself. You don't have to listen to what anybody else says about that. Pick it up and read it for yourself. 
20 year old, Mm. pick up your Bible and read it. See what you think about it. I'd love to hear what you think about that, what it says and what it means. Because I think at that age, you listen to so many other people. And that's what I wish I did not do is listen to everybody else. Gosh, man, same. Right? Boy, we're dumb. Same. We're dumb. We're really dumb at that age. I was really dumb at that age. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's just, it's a hard time of life. But fun. Like, but, but fun. <laughs> Let's not, we're telling the truth here today. We might as well say. Yes. Oh, man, that's good. <laughs> Well, uh, Kim, who or what has been inspiring you lately? I'm a little bit obsessed right now with this book I have in front of me. It's called Sun Stand Still by Verdick. <gasps> yeah, I have read that oh, one. So good. So good. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit crazy about it right now. I keep rereading it and going, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray bigger. I'm gonna pray more. I'm yeah. gonna pray some outrageous prayers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because what do we have to lose? Right. <laughs> Here I am asking for like new rain boots. <laughs> really? Kim, you're gonna pray about new rain boots. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and our last question, which I'm really excited to get to ask you about, and just I'm excited to hear your point of view and perspective on this. But this podcast is called Wild Hearts with Janine, which I love the title. It's just, you know, I get to sit down with new friends and old friends and just talk about all these different topics that have to do with, you know, pursuing the life that we believe God has called us to and that it doesn't have to look one way or another, but it's totally unique to us because he's made us each uniquely. So in your opinion, Kim, what makes someone a wild heart? Mm, this is great because it's all, it's my opinion. And it also ties back to Austin. Oh. I would say to people all the time, he was wild. Like he was just wild. <laughs> but the reason I would say that is because he did everything big. Like if, if mm. we're going to swim, like he would just jump in. Like he didn't know how to swim yet, but he just jumped in and I had to like jump in after him. Okay. He did everything big, you know, and if we're going to do it, like let's do it big. And that is, was my answer as well as I was thinking about that is like wild heart is someone who pursues with passion, you know, that you do whatever you're going to mm-hmm. do, whatever you're going to pursue, you're going to do it with passion. Yes, with everything you've yeah, got. All in. I love it. I love it. All in. Oh, Kim, this has been so wonderful. Thank you again for wanting to be on the podcast and for sharing so much of your story and your heart with all of us. I am so grateful and know that this is going to be an episode that people are going to listen to over and over and over again because grief doesn't, it's always going to be a part of the human experience. And so thank you for being willing to share all of that with us. What a blessing. Yes, to God be the glory. God be the glory. That's right. Yes. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Wild Hearts with Janine. I hope that through my conversation with Kim, you were encouraged and felt supported in any kind of grief you may be walking through or have walked through and that it gave you some tools and some resources to know how to walk through grief if and when that time comes in your life. Don't forget to give Kim a follow and check out the resources that she has on her website because trust me, there is so much good stuff there. All right, guys, we'll be back in a couple weeks. I'm going to be doing a solo cast episode all about minimalism and simplicity, and I'm going to be answering your questions. So if you have any questions around minimalism, 
feel free to send me an email or a direct message on Instagram. I cannot wait to record that episode because it's something I'm really passionate about. I think traveling the way I did really encouraged me in my minimalism and my love for not having a lot of stuff. So I cannot wait to share what I've learned with you guys. But until then, keep dreaming, seeking, and stepping out in faith.